Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information about Home Church, visit us at myhomechurch.org. Well, the the worship team decided to uh, sing my message this morning, so that was amazing. I love when the Lord does that. Oh, yeah, that that message last week, it literally changed my life. That what Andrew talked about with with rest and we just need to get a greater revelation of all that the Lord accomplished, all that he instituted, um and that this isn't just something for a future destination. This is a personal present reality for the children of God to live in his eternal rest right now uh, John said that um, or Jesus said in John that eternal life is this that you would know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent so eternal life is not something that happens when you die it's something that starts the moment you trust in Christ so uh, just this revelation is blowing me away, and um, I'm literally being changed by it. And I pray that the Lord would do the same thing in, in your life, that there would be grace. I feel like there is grace in this room to enter into his rest once and for all um, and just be completely convinced that it is your portion as his children. It's not something that you strive into. Yeah, I was talking to Andrew this morning, even in Hebrews, when it says strive to enter rest, that word actually means to make haste. It doesn't mean work to get it. It means go there now. <laughs> it means just go. And so go today by the grace of God uh, into the rest and have a revelation of where you've been brought into. So we'll talk about this a little bit today. Um, man, I feel the Lord... Uh, so strong but really the the topic of what the lord centered me around around rest was that it is the realm of the kingdom that rest is the it almost could be equivalent to when we say the kingdom realm of god it is a place that is characterized by rest and so if you find yourself in restlessness you're okay but you're falling short of what Christ died to give to you. And that's not to shame you. That's to say, believe the gospel. <laughs> Rest is your portion. It's an inheritance, right? Who works for your inheritance? Your parents. Your father works for your inheritance and you just receive it. Amen? So... If you want to open up to Genesis chapter 28, uh, we'll be starting in verse 10, going to 17. Um, but the point in talking about this today is for you to access what Christ has given to you as an inheritance at the moment of salvation. So I need to just lay a little bit of, of groundwork, and we'll, we'll get there uh, eventually. So just go on the, the journey with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I really believe that the realm of the Spirit, uh, the things that we've been crying out for, the experiences, the encounters, um, they're, they're coming. They're, they're, people are experiencing them now. But I, I feel like until we step into rest, these things will continue to be, or seemingly be, I should say it that way, they're seemingly far off. But you are actually in, you've been brought into the eternal rest of God already. If you're a believer, it's where you live. It's your new address. You live in the rest, the eternal rest of God. But until our trust of his goodness... And that he's never going to let us down until we actually believe that rest won't be our experience. 
restlessness will continue to be what we experience in our life when we don't trust him. But I want to tell you today, he's trustworthy. He's worthy of your trust. He is faithful. These are not just nice Christian cliche sayings. You must believe that he's faithful because he is. And if you do, your whole life will change. The, I, I, I'm going to pull it up really quick. Bear with me. <laughs> just go with me on the journey. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I read something. I'd never really read the, uh, the message translation. It's really just a paraphrase, but um, I read something that absolutely blew my mind yesterday. Romans chapter 10 in the message. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible app. <laughs> I have all the translations right here, you know. Um, thank you, Lord. Um, okay, so it's actually a verse I preached a couple weeks ago. Um, but in the message translation, it says, how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? So again, how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He's trustworthy, saints. <laughs> Every time in your life where you have expressed at some point, Lord, you really let me down. You just have a wrong perspective of that situation. He'll never let you down. He's, the Bible says he will never leave the righteous forsaken his children are never begging for bread okay this is the word of the lord and so we need just need to be convinced this morning that he is trustworthy and i believe this is the entrance into the rest of god by your faith by believing that this is true and this is why teaching is so important because until you hear it you can't put faith on it um in hebrews actually talking about the, the rest, the entering into the rest of God. It says they heard a word that they didn't mix faith with, so it didn't profit them. But if you hear the word with faith this morning, you will enter in to the trust in the one who is trustworthy, and rest will be the experience continually of your life. No matter what is going on circumstantially in your life, your internal rest meter... <laughs> will stay perfectly full forever. <laughs> this is the portion. This isn't, I, I, I'm always so confused when people make Christianity just this like far off spiritual thing that's going to happen to you in the future. That's like, Lord, I need that now. And thank God he made it available now. <laughs> I'm not waiting for it to happen in the future. Right now. There is a certain day, uh, Hebrews, I'm just going back to Hebrews, I guess. Hebrews says, there is a certain day called today to enter into his rest. So today, by faith, we believe that he's trustworthy and we enter into his rest. Amen? Altar call. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's basically the whole thing. You got it. Um, so what we need to understand as believers is that we are trillionaires in the spirit. And uh, I think it was Corey Russell that I heard, we're trillionaires in the spirit, but we're content with just dancing around the ATM instead of making withdrawals. And I want to tell you that you have all things that pertain to life and godliness have been given to you, the, the Bible says, and you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everything, according to life and godliness, and every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We are living short of that. But I believe that the Lord by faith is going to be given us access to start to make withdrawals on this inheritance that Christ has paid for us to have. I believe that's part of the reward of his suffering, that we actually live in the inheritance that he paid to give us. It's actually not a humble thing to make yourself live short of what Christ paid for 
for you to live in. It's actually, humility is agreement with what God says. So if he calls you son, you calling yourself a worm is uh, not in alignment with what he says. And humility is in alignment with what God says. Thank you, Jesus. So let's take a look at our, our text. We'll jump around a little bit. Jesus, help me to talk fast. Verse 10, Genesis 28. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, and behold, the Lord stood above it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to switch out the Lord for Yahweh in where it says the Lord because it's actually what it is in Hebrew. That's his name. Lord is his office. Lord is his position. God is his position. But Yahweh is his name. So that's why I, I'm starting to try to train myself to call him by his name. His name is Yahweh. <laughs> so behold, Yahweh stood above it and said, I am Yahweh, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely Yahweh is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Father, we thank you for your word that continues to encourage us to edify us, Lord, to tell us of our inheritance. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would give us the grace for faith to be mixed with the word preached, God, that we might walk into everything you died to give us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So, one of the things I love to do is go th going through the Old Testament, seeing the types and shadows of, of Jesus. And in this story, there's Jesus is being symbolized and shadowed uh, through many things. But obviously, we know that Christ is the rock of our salvation. Jacob laid his head upon the rock. It's the place of rest. It's a firm foundation. Jacob calls the place that he's in the gate of heaven and Christ says I am the gate I am the door that if anyone enters by me he shall be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture interestingly so that's entrance Christ is the entrance way into the kingdom of God into the rest of God and in that scripture where he says I am the door I am the gate if anyone enters by me he shall be saved right but then there's a blessing on top of being saved, and it's being able to go in and out and find pasture. And if the gate is what Jacob saw, it's a, the gate of heaven. So we're able to go in and out and find pasture. It's not in and out of salvation. It's you're in. Now you can go in and out of heaven. <laughs> there's, we've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so there's something of the spirit that's been opened up to us by the gate through the door of Christ that we are not taking advantage of. And I think the invitation is to take advantage of what Christ made available today. And then the ladder in John 1:51, Jesus said, I am that ladder, the ladder that Jacob saw extending from the earth to heaven. Jesus was speaking to Nathaniel. He said, uh, you're, you're blown away that I gave you a word of knowledge, <laughs> but you'll see angels ascending and descending upon the son of man. So this ladder that Jacob saw was also Christ. And notice that the angels 
started on earth and ascended to heaven and then they descended again so these angels are not the same angels that spend their time in the throne room there's actually angels as, uh, assigned to be on the earth for they ascended first then they descended right so some beautiful revelations of, of Christ who is the true rock who is the place of rest who is the gate of heaven and he is the treasure that is found in heaven. But what we must see uh, today is that Christ's payment, Christ's blood, was not just to save you from hell. That's a, a credible blessing. It's an amazing place to get a revelation of. But he did much more than give you fire insurance. He is called the last Adam. He is likened to the first Adam that jacked everything up. And it says in Romans that he surpassed the first Adam in what, Christ, what Adam undid and broke. Christ surpassed and fixed. Not in the future. 2,000 years ago. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Another way to say the realm of the kingdom is to say Zion. It is where, according to Hebrews 12, we have come to. Not a place we're journeying to, it's a place we have come to, past tense. Christ, through the institution of the new covenant, has caused us to enter the realm of the kingdom. All that is needed to be in Zion is to be in the new covenant. So if you're included in the new covenant then you have entered into Zion. Again, the heavenly Jerusalem, Zion, the city of the living God, is not locational in nature. It is dimensional. Christians are dual... I talked about this last time I preached. Christians are dual-dimensional beings. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new creation man in Christ is dual-dimensional. He is seated with Christ in heavenly places and he is on the earth bringing heavenly realities into the natural. You're already there as a born-again believer. It's finished. It's your new address. But the experience of the full benefits is conditioned by what you believe after you've believed. So many have believed enough to be saved but not believed enough to enter his rest. So that's not to say that your, your salvation is in question. It's to say, are you living in the rest that Christ died to give to you? You may be saved and completely restlessness, riddled with anxiety, depression, and all these things, and that is not your portion in Jesus' name. <laughs> and today, if you believe and place your faith that God gives to us to believe that he's trustworthy, you will enter into the rest that he died to give to you. One of the thoughts that has been stuck in my mind over the last few years really is this progression. What you believe, you behold, and what you behold, you become. This is why right um, theology about who God is is very important. Because what you believe, you'll begin to admire and, and uh, worship and and in that place, you actually are transformed into the very thing that you behold and worship. So if you have a wrong view of God, you actually become like the God you made instead of the God that is. And I have seen this in my own life. When I believe that God is other than good, I become other than good. When I don't believe he's a good father, I am not a good father. When I don't believe he's a good husband that cares for his wife, I become a husband that's not good and doesn't care for his wife. But he is a good father. And he will never let you down. And he's a good husband. And he cares for his wife, his church. 
So this is crucial. What we believe, we will behold, and what we behold, we will become. So belief system is crucial. I could sit down five different Christians from, uh, really, in, I could take five people in this room. We all believe the same essentials of the faith, but we all have different belief systems. It's very interesting. That's why many people have a hard time um, coming into Christianity. They say, you guys all just believe different things. It's actually, no, all the Christians, anyone who's actually born again believes the same thing. But the things they're walking in is different because we all believe that Christ made different things available to us now. Some push all the good stuff up into heaven. Hey, boo, yeah, boo. <laughs> We're, we are not Gnostics. We don't believe that the material world is evil. <laughs> That's a heresy, actually. <laughs> to believe that the material world is evil and the best spiritual experience is escaping the, the, the material world to go to a spiritual uh, cloudy existence. <laughs> You know who gave that to us? Not the Bible. Plato, the philosopher, gave that to us. We need to come and realize the Jewish thought is actually that heaven and earth is intermingled. And that's what we're learning. That I'm, just because I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, it doesn't mean part of me is a thousand galaxies away. It means that in the spirit, right? John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I saw visions of God, right? He wasn't somewhere else locationally, but he was somewhere else dimensionally, if you could hear it. I know everyone can't hear this. I used to not be able to hear this because religion had a great hold on me. But I believe this is going to set us free and we're going to enter into rest. So if you believe, again, that the Holy Spirit has changed somehow, and that the gifts aren't for today, and that God no longer speaks because he gave us a book. How do people even come up with this stuff? <laughs> the Bible that testifies that God speaks and moves and encounters people is the one they're saying has negated the experience of it. <laughs> There's more, guys. We haven't even scratched the surface of it. We're, we're, we're on the shoreless ocean of his glory <laughs> and we're just getting we lift our sails and we get pulled away and around and to the different places that we've never dreamed that we could be there's a uh, puritan samuel rutherford he said lord i pray that you would just sink my ship that i might go to the depths of all all that you are <laughs> that i've been floating on the river of god but lord i pray that you would sink my ship that i might go to your depths <laughs> hallelujah so many people are content to believe that they've been saved from, but not what they've been brought into. They stop short of the fullness because they think salvation as only fire insurance and not as the door into the kingdom realm where Yahweh is, the realm where nothing is impossible. So faith, we place in Christ alone for our salvation. We enter in through the door who is Christ and we're saved and then we must move to trust after faith we must move to trust to trust that he is good and his love endures forever that he's good and he's never going to let us down we sing things and we don't believe them I've heard many people say, you know, I was really angry with the Lord that he allowed this to happen. You just have a wrong perspective. And I encourage you, don't get angry with the Lord. <laughs> he is good. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he is good. And we must realign ourselves to believe this because we will never enter into his rest if we don't think he is trustworthy because we'll always be looking over our shoulder thinking our, our bad dad is about to come and destroy us again. But if you've been brought into the kingdom, you have literally nothing to fear. <laughs> 
<laughs> Zero, nothing. So trust him that he is good and that you are beloved, that you are his treasure. And then we enter into rest. So it's faith, then trust, then rest. The realm of the kingdom. It's the life in the spirit. It's the experience of the benefits of the new covenant. It's encounter, it's revelation, it's mysteries. It's things that were far off at one time, but now they are within grasp because we've been brought in to where those things are, those mysteries that have been long awaited. You see, the gospel starts by bringing illumination to us in regard to the express image of who God is through the person of Christ. The gospel is the good news that God is better than we ever dreamed of, that he would come in the flesh and do all the work that we could not do in order to rescue us from everything that we put ourselves into. He's better than you think he is. And that the exclusivity of Jesus is how we are to see God, who, how we are to view him. John says no one has at any time seen God except for the son who has seen him and reveals him to anyone that he chooses to. So Christ is the actual lens that we put on to see who God is. Colossians calls him the visible image of the invisible God. Hebrews says that he is the express image of the Father, the radiance of the Father. On, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he's up on the mountain, it says that uh, Moses and Elijah joined Christ on the mountain, there on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter gets so excited, he's like, let's just build tents for everybody. <laughs> let's just build a tent for Moses, and you get a tent, you get a tent. <laughs> and and God thunders the sky and says, that's my son. Listen to him. <laughs> and Moses and Elijah are gone. Christ is the lens by which we must see God. And in that place, we see that he is glorious. He is worthy. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. He's kind. He's slow to anger. So in that revelation, when we see Christ, it reveals our need of rescue and our inability to work our way back to God. This leads us, sorry, this leads the one who believes the gospel to place their faith in the fact that the message of Christ is truth. That faith brings the person out of darkness into marvelous light and into the realm of the kingdom. The first revelation that must immediately follow the fact that we need rescue and can't work our way back to God is how deeply and dearly we are loved by Yahweh. That he did not save us begrudgingly or he was like, those stupid people. I can't believe I got to go down there and fix them, help them. He, he is by in his very nature. He is savior, which means he loves to save. The things that you need saving from actually, it was Dane Ortland talks about the, that those are the actual things that attracts him to you. The fact that you need saving is the thing that makes God run to you because he loves to save and he's mighty to save. And this causes us to trust him and is the only access point of the eternal rest for the soul, that he, you are his beloved, that you are Hephzibah, as Isaiah says, you are the delight of the Lord. David said, he delivered me because he delights in me. There are countless thousands in the church in a state of interior restlessness, operating in an orphan spirit because they don't believe that Yahweh actually loves them. They just believe he tolerates them and allowed them to come in and be saved. But this is not who he is. This is not who our father is. So we're internally restless. We are operating in an orphan spirit because we don't actually believe our father is good. 
So we act like orphans even though we're seated at the table of God. And all of his benefits are laid out on the table for you to enjoy and experience. But because you don't believe he's good and trustworthy, it's like you're, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Hook, when they're all sitting at the table and they're pretending to eat food. They can't see it. It's what the people of God are doing because they don't actually believe that he's good enough to actually put food on the table. But I tell you, in the name of Jesus, open up your eyes and see what you've been brought into. The benefits, the nourishment, the, the, the rest for your souls, the peace, the love, the joy. This is your portion. And because you don't believe he's trustworthy, you are not experiencing everything he paid to give to you. If you don't believe he loves you, you will not trust him. And if you do not trust him, you will not be at rest. And if you are not at rest, you will not experience the benefits of the covenant the way that he desires you to. For he is good and he will never let you down. So it does not matter what religion says. The premier statement Yahweh has made when he came in the flesh is that he loves you. This love is not like earthly love. It's not fleeting. It's not here today and gone tomorrow. It is not caring for you one moment, then abandoning you the next. By virtue of the fact that he is Savior, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. His love is sacrificial, self-giving, and trustworthy. Again, if you don't believe he loves you, you will not trust him. And if you do not trust him, you will not be at rest. And if you are not at rest, you will not experience the benefits of the kingdom. The kingdom realm of rest is the promised land of the new covenant believer. We were talking about today, Moses led the people out of Egypt. But many of them did not enter into the promise. So they were saved, but they didn't enter rest. But today, make haste. <laughs> Go into rest. Open up your eyes. Believe he's good. Believe he is revealed perfectly by the revelation of his cross on how much he loves you. And then open up your eyes to see that you've been standing in the paradise of God all of these years. This is changing my life. This is changing my life. This is not wishful thinking. This is believing the gospel. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Uh, a child that believes their father is going to abuse them will not rest soundly at night because they don't trust that they will be cared for and be safe. Sadly, this is most of Christians' lives. They cannot rest because they don't believe he's trustworthy. So you will not lay your head on that pillow. You will not dream and imagine and believe for all the things that God has put in your heart to believe for, to dream for. Because you don't believe, you can close your eyes. Because you're always looking over your shoulder for a, the, the monster of a father that religion has give to you, given to you. But that is not who Abba is. That is not who our father is. Many Christians won't even ask for encounters, visions, visitations, because they don't know if Abba can be trusted they, I, I, I grew up in this mindset that I might ask for the Holy Spirit, but I might get a demon. Jesus went out of his way to tell us that that cannot happen. Let's, let's put eyes on it so we can believe it. <laughs> Matthew 7. Put a finger in Matthew 7 and Luke 11. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 7. 
7, starting in verse 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. How many people does that exclude? Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Of which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give you good things to those who ask him? So if you ask the Lord for an encounter, if you ask the Lord to open up the eyes of your heart... Open up the eyes of your spirit to see into the things that he's brought you into. You do not need to expect a demon to jump on you and to hijack your encounter. Luke 11, 11, same uh, story retold here, starting in verse 9. I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if your son, his sons asked for a fish instead of a fish, would give him a serpent? And if he asked for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I was literally taught that I could be deceived when I ask for the Holy Spirit that I might receive a demon. That is a lie. Right here, Jesus said his father is better than any earthly father, that if you ask him for bread, he will not give you a stone. So if I ask him for the Holy Spirit, if I ask him for dreams and visions and encounters and everything that he's opened up by way of the new covenant, he will not give me anything evil. (laughs) <laughs> he will give me the, the desire of my heart because I've delighted myself in him to ask him to say, Abba, I know who you are and I know that I'm living less than what you died to give to me. And so now I ask, Lord, that you would pour out your encounters, pour out your visitations, pour out your, the experiences in the spirit. That These are not good ideas. This is reality. And how God encountered man from the beginning of time is still available because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I believe that rest is the realm of encounter. It's the realm of revelation. So this doesn't mean that you can't access revelation or mysteries that the Lord wants to give to you in a place of restlessness you can actually but there are aspects that you will never access until you are at rest hear this Yahweh in love restricts our access to the realm of his mysteries until our trust in him produces the intended rest that he desires I'm going to say that again. Yahweh in love restricts our access to his realm of mysteries until our trust in him produces the intended rest that he desires to give us. Because without the intended rest being our reality, we will begin to find our identity in what we know rather in the who that we know. If he begins to open up our eyes in the spirit and begin to see all mysteries and see, but we are not in a place of rest, we will begin to find our identity in the things we've encountered instead of the one who is our God. (laughs) We will begin begin to be puffed up and boast about our encounters and the things that we've experienced instead of saying, it's all by grace. (laughs) It's all by the grace of God that I've entered into the realm of rest. And I just believe that he is as good as he says that he is. And therefore, I've come to rest. I'm going to skip uh, a little bit of, of what I've got here because I know that we're, we're winding down. But oh, this is so, so important. Your inner restlessness, jockeying for position and attention, a track record of breaking commitments at the root has nothing to do with past hurts or habits and has everything to do with the fact that do you, not, you do not yet 
believe how extravagantly you are loved by God. All that inner restlessness that you have, all of that desire for attention, all of that running after things that you think in this world will give you pleasure, even though you've already been brought into the kingdom, you have that inner restlessness, it's because you don't actually believe that he loves you. I'm telling you that that revelation, that he actually loves you, the, Jesus says that the way that the Father has loved me, I love you. The way the Father loves the Son is the way the Son loves you. And the Father and the Son are one. <laughs> Not in person, in essence, in character, in nature. If the Father loves the Son this way and the Son loves you in that way, the Father loves you in that way. <laughs> you must believe this. You must believe this or rest will remain elusive to you. It will remain out of reach because you don't believe that he is the way that he says that he is. The Holy Ghost has come to shed abroad the love of God in our hearts and to make God's fatherhood real to us. So if we've received the Spirit, one of his primary jobs is to actually shed the love of God abroad in our heart and to make God's fatherhood real to us. And he is not like earthly fathers. He's not even like the best of earthly fathers. He's better than that. Rest has a personal dimension and a corporate dimension. If I am at rest, sorry, if I am at rest, there is a realm of access that is open to me in the glory that otherwise would not be accessible. It would still be my inheritance, but the lack of rest veils my eyes to the experience of it. There is also a corporate realm of access that when we are in one heart and one accord that is at rest together, that will take us into an intensified experience of the glory unlike anything we've ever known. So when we meet together in small groups, so, if, so I've actually found this. When I'm in a small group of believers that I know are all at rest and we go and seek the Lord together, the experience of the Lord is actually intensified because we're all at rest together. But there is actually a corporate experience of the Lord that we will never experience until all of us are at rest. Until all of us are actually believe the gospel, <laughs> actually believe that we're the beloved of the Lord and have entered into his rest. That experience of that measure of glory, he will not give to us because the same way that a person can find identity in the things they experience, so can a corporate body. And until, right, the, the upper room, it said that the spirit was poured out and they were all in one accord, one heart and one mind. When we are all on the same page, when we've all placed faith in Christ, when we all believe that he is good, and he's nothing other than good. And good doesn't mean something other than what you think it means. He's not good, but he has a different definition of good than what you think good is. He's actually good. And when we all believe that, we will enter into his rest. And I'm telling you, this tent won't be able to contain the glory. <laughs> we're, be we're, we're beginning to experience it slowly, steadily increasing in private ways and in corporate ways. But I tell you, please <laughs> believe him. Believe that he is a good father. Enter into his rest. Make haste. Go now. In Jesus' name. <laughs> just the last thing here. Give me a, just five more minutes. So Jacob's exclamation was he was in the place where he was, he laid his head there, and when he woke up, he said, I didn't even know God was here. But God was here, and I didn't know it. It says, Yahweh is here, and I did not know it. And this is the gate of heaven. He was walking around, restless, not even realizing that the experience of God was just 
at the place of rest when he rested his head and the dream opened up and he saw. This is a pattern. This is a principle in the scripture laid out for us that if we lay our head upon the rock of Christ and believe that he is who he said he is, in that place of rest, dreams, visions, encounter, angelic activity. This is in the Bible, guys. <laughs> We're just going to have to start to believe it. <laughs> now, this is the one I love to say because it's just so crazy. Ezekiel was pulled up to heaven by a lock of his hair to see visions of God. <laughs> he probably had a real nice tight lock. Maybe it didn't hurt. But this is what the Bible says, guys, and I just think that we just need to start believing it. That a 14-year-old girl that had not known a man was visited by an angel of God, by the angel of the Lord, to tell her that she would give birth to God. <laughs> this is your faith. That a virgin could be implanted by this the seed of God and give birth to the Messiah that would change literally everything. This is your faith. So st stop letting religion put ceilings and walls on what God can do. There is a, a realm of experience, a realm of encounter that we do not yet know, but we have been brought into it. And one day we'll turn to each other and say, Yahweh is here. And I did not know it. Thank you, Lord. This is the last thing that I'll share. The Lord gave me, um, gave me actually an encounter the other day that was a repeat encounter of something that I experienced. I don't remember. I think it was a year ago, almost to the day, which is very interesting. Uh, every night when I go to sleep, I, we have uh, Paxton's monitor hanging from our headboard. So before we go to sleep, I always, I'm not on my pillow, I look up to check that he's good. And then I like close the light off so we can go to sleep. And it was pretty late. It was a, like maybe one or two in the morning. And I looked up to make sure he was good. And there's a light, uh, a little lamp thing that sits on his um, end table that's next to his crib. And it's a touch light. The only way that it could be turned on is by someone touching it. And I looked into the thing and it was going on and off. Do, 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 do. And I'm looking and I'm like, he's asleep. I don't see anybody in the room, you know, dad first, grab the shotgun, you know, <laughs> it's time to party, you know, <laughs> but I'm like, look, I'm like, all right, then it turns on, kind of goes in and out, I get up, go into his room, the light's off, I close the door, and the light comes on full blast, like, brighter than the light can actually be made. And I was like, okay, I've, I actually had the same encounter happen to me. I was sitting rocking packs in the sleep in that room, the same light. And uh, I just turned it, I went over, shut it off because I didn't want the light to wake him up. He was perfectly asleep. But when I had it the first time, the Lord began to sing the song, Pure Imagination. You know that song from Willy Wonka? Pure Imagination. He began to sing that to me when the light, came on and I want to read you the lyrics to this song pure imagination from the Lord's perspective I heard the father singing this come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination take a look and you'll see into your imagination we'll begin with a spin traveling in the world of my creation what we'll see will defy explanation. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to, do it. You want to change the world? There's nothing to it. There is no life I know to compare with pure imagination. Living there, you'll be free if you truly wish to be. <laughs> I feel the Lord so strong. I believe there's an invitation from the Lord 
to come in to this encounter, to this, come into the world of his creation. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. <laughs> this is the invitation today. Enter into the rest of the Lord by believing that he is good and that he is nothing other than good and that he's trustworthy. For when you trust him, you will be at rest. For you know that he works on your behalf and he's not working against you. You are his children and he's better, better than any earthly father. If you've had a bad example of a father or if you've had a good example of a father, he's better than all of them. <laughs> so believe today. Believe the gospel. Believe that he is trustworthy, that he loves you with a love that can only be properly seen when you look at the cross. And say that though I set myself as his enemy, he came for me. That though I was hostile in my mind towards him, he came to rescue me. This is our good father. This is who he is. Trust him. Believe him. And I believe this world of You've been made pure, church. You've been made pure. You're a holy nation. You've been made the righteousness of God. So therefore now you have pure imagination. <laughs> and you're being invited today to walk in this encounter. Instead of being it at a distance, continue to move forward. Trust him more. Believe him more. I'm going to release, if you have... Uh, children i want you to be able to go get them i want to open up the altars for just to sit with the lord to finish the everything in your mind that still believes he's untrustworthy sit there and say lord even though i don't yet believe it i need your help to believe it i believe lord but help my unbelief right you're saved you've been brought out of egypt but you're not at rest in the promised land and today if you trust him you will make your way into rest and open your eyes to see that's where you've been standing since he saved your soul. Okay? I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to bless you. If you guys want to put something on and then you go grab the kids if you want to bring them back in and sit with the Lord. I encourage you to sit with the Lord. Just begin to close your eyes. We're so happy you could join us on the Home Church Podcast. We pray this week's message encourages you to behold the Lord Jesus and bring his kingdom wherever you go. You can visit us online at myhomechurch.org, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us on social media. If you would like to give to this ministry, text the amount to 84321. Bless you.